0: Hello and welcome back to Breadcast. I am Aaron Weiss. This semester, we've been taking our stories told at DBS and posting them here on our podcast feed for you all to enjoy. Today, I am sharing my stories from September 24th's DBS. I hope you enjoy. So, I am a big Nintendo fan. Well, I'm a big video game fan in general. Heck, I have a podcast where I talk a lot about video games, but for this story, color me a Nintendo fan. I've been a fan since I was really little and grew up playing their games and game systems. This really culminated in late 2016 when they revealed the Switch. If you don't know about the Nintendo Switch, it's time to get out from under that rock. It's Nintendo's hybrid console and portable. It's awesome. It's not the most powerful system out there, but hey, I can play Skyrim on it and take it with me wherever I go, so I think it's pretty dope. Of course, I pre-ordered the system as soon as I could. I got the Switch and the newest Zelda game, Breath of the Wild, and when those got delivered to my house, I was beyond stoked. I opened it up and began playing it immediately. I loved it from day one. The only problem was the tiny controllers that came with it known as Joy-Con. they were too small for my giant sasquatch hands so that night my best friend and i went to walmart and we bought legitimate controllers and i played pretty much every game on switch with that controller for the last three and a half years until a few weeks ago so the beautiful thing about modern console controllers is that you can use them on you can use any of them on your computer if you play games there so when i was replaying a batman game on my pc at home i decided to use my switch controller because i love it so much after my last session playing batman i left my controller on and connected it via bluetooth and forgot about it when it's connected wirelessly to anything besides the switch It does not turn off automatically after not being used for a while. I knew this, but forgot and went out of town for the weekend. When I came back, my beloved controller wouldn't charge, nor would it turn on. I was devastated. So I did what all good good nerds do because, you know, controllers aren't cheap. I turned to Reddit. And I got some good advice. I found out that likely the battery was just completely depleted. Like, past the point uh, recharging would fix it. Like, D-E-D. Dead. So, I did what any good red-blooded American does when they need something. I went to Amazon and ordered a new battery. It arrived Monday afternoon. And when I got home from bread that evening, I changed it out and the controller was as good as new. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It was back from the dead. Now, tonight, I want to share a similar story from the Gospel of Luke, from the perspective of John, one of Jesus' closer friends. So, I'm going to be paraphrasing that, but before I get to it, I need to preface this by saying, I know this story is weird. It's a really strange story that seems f- too far-fetched to be true. And that's okay. If you don't believe it, we always say here at bread, we love Jesus, but you do not have to, to be here. And we truly mean it. That being said, let's get to the story. So there we were having dinner with Jesus. I was sitting on his right. My brother was sitting on his left. Not that it really mattered, but for some reason it really mattered to us. Anyways, the bros and I were eating dinner But we did not realize it at the time, but it was a huge deal. And it was also the last time we'd sit down and have dinner with Jesus before he was to be crucified. We had dinner, and then we went for an evening stroll in this dope garden called Gethsemane. Because it was late, the bros and I were really tired, so we stopped for a rest. Jesus began to pray and instructed us not to fall asleep, but it was so hard to stay awake We all dozed off once or twice. Jesus then got a little frustrated with us and was like, yo, stop falling asleep. Try praying aloud so you don't fall into temptation. Then, all of a sudden, from seemingly nowhere, a crowd showed up and was chanting, arrest Jesus, arrest Jesus. Apparently, while we hadn't noticed, our boy Judas had snuck away, routed us out, and was leading a crowd along with some teachers of the law. We weren't doing anything wrong, but there was plenty of people uneasy with Jesus claiming that he was the Messiah, or the one God chose, so they wanted to arrest him. As the crowd approached, we were prepared for a big fight. Heck, Peter even cut a dude's ear off. Thankfully, Jesus intervened and stopped us from losing further control, and miraculously replaced the guy's ear after this jesus was taken into custody and peter straight denied knowing him like three times pretty whack right shortly after jesus was arrested he was beaten tortured and literally crucified watching him die humiliated in front of all jerusalem it was rough to say the least we were all scared that we were next so we decided to lay low for a bit and we even contemplated going back to our old lives. James and I were going to go back fishing. To say it was a tough weekend might be a little of an understatement. We thought Jesus was the guy. We felt really sorry for him. But in reality, I think we felt more sorry for ourselves. On Sunday, we were hanging out and eating breakfast. Just as 11 of us were sitting down, uh, sitting down to breakfast, our friends Mary and Martha stormed in and exclaimed that Jesus' tomb was empty. They said that they had gone to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with spices and perfumes, but when they arrived, the large stone covering the entrance was rolled away, and an angel stood in the tomb claiming that Jesus was no longer dead but alive. Just when we had almost wrapped our minds around this situation, Jesus literally appeared to us from nowhere and was like, sup, got any food? Naturally, we were startled. I think Thomas might have even pooped his tunic. We were all staring at Jesus in disbelief as if he were a ghost. Finally, Jesus broke the silence and said, look at my wounds, touch them for you yourself see for yourself and see that i'm very much alive upon seeing that he was indeed here with us we gave him a piece of fish and he caught us up on what happened quoting prophecies from the prophets of old and of the law saying this is what is written the messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at jerusalem okay like i said seems too far-fetched but to be honest i believe it with my whole heart and here's why i have shared with you before that my mom passed away a little over five years ago but i have never shared what witnessing her sickness was like for me i got the call almost exactly six years ago that my mom was sick with breast cancer i was in germany with global scope at the time and had really begun to hit my stride there when the call came from my dad he explained that my mom had been diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer of course this took me by total surprise i had just talked with her a couple nights before and everything was fine it was better than fine she was great i was overcome with emotion i called a friend to process i called my team lead I called the director of Global Scope to see what I should do. Collectively, my dad, the team lead, the director, and I decided that should just take it day by day, so for the next six weeks, that's exactly what I did. Toward the end of October, her cancer had progressed in such a way that it was not looking good, so we all decided that I should return home and spend time with my mom. I got home on October 28, 2014. Over the next few months, I saw many incredible things happen. I saw a community, a group of people that, for all intents and purposes, blacklisted my parents five years prior, rally around my family and remodel a downstairs bedroom in my house so my mom did not have to climb stairs in her frail state. I saw her estranged brother reach out and make amends, and she got closure i saw both sides of my family who historically have not seen eye to eye rally around my mom and come together to support us in our time of hardship i saw so much beauty despite tragedy beauty that brought so much hope on january 23 2015 my mom passed away and all i could do was thank god that my mom's pain and suffering was finished i want to share with you my eulogy from her funeral When I was probably seven or eight, my dad and brother were out of town. So it was just my mom and I at home. That particular weekend, mom had bought steaks to grill on our charcoal grill. Of course, I was only seven or eight and not old enough to use the grill without someone calling defects. So my mom sets the charcoal and drowns them in lighter fluid. She then lit it. And as the fluid is burning, burning off, she decides to throw a little more on that catches and a small explosion happens and singes the ends of her hair and eyebrows of course once i realized that she was okay i thought it was hilarious we ended up doing what we should have done the whole time we broiled the steaks in our oven this is a story i'm pretty sure i haven't told many people and when i began writing this it just came to mind my mom and i have a lot of memories in the kitchen She taught me most everything I know about cooking, baking, and and music. She inspired me to join the choir at Point University when I finally transferred in. My mom was one of the most all-around beautiful people I've ever met. From her voice to her skills in the kitchen to her kind spirit, she was all around beautiful. And of course I miss her so much, but knowing the kind of life she lived, knowing her soul, knowing that right at this very moment, she is probably watching reruns of Andy Griffith showing the Andy Griffith show with Jesus and Andy Griffith himself. Or playing piano and singing songs of praise to God the Father. Or maybe even watching Roadrunner and Coyote with her dad, Chuck. It's so much easier to bear her absence on earth. To be brutally honest, I cried more on September 17, 2014, when I found out that my mom had cancer. Than I did on January twenty third, 2015, when I found out she went to be home with the Lord. In her final months, mom lived by Philippians 121 saying to live, which says to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what I want her legacy to be. Besides being a brilliant musician, singer and cook and baker, I want people to remember her courage. I want my mom's uh, legacy to be her courage. Mom was the bravest woman I have ever known, and her story should inspire and empower us all to live with the mindset of Christ and to know that dying is gain. Jesus flipped the script on everyone with how he came into the world and lived his life. He brought a peaceful revolution and loved his enemies. He started a movement centered on community and caring for your neighbor. He did not overthrow Caesar he did not take his place on an earthly throne he did not come to be served instead he served and showed us how to live all while fulfilling centuries old prophecies the resurrection is not necessarily just about jesus coming back from the dead while yes that is a huge part of it it is also about giving us direct access to god the father by being the ultimate sacrifice for our sin that disconnected us from god and ultimately ultimately The resurrection is about hope the hope that jesus overcame literally the worst thing that anyone ever had to do so we would not have to live apart from him now i acknowledge that this is a lot this is heavy it's confusing and it's honestly too much to talk about in one sitting here at dbs that being said if you want to chat anything i about anything i talked about please reach out to one of us here on staff. We would love to sit down with you and and talk about Jesus over coffee. But for now, I want to leave you with three ideas. Have you considered that bread is here for you, no matter where you are with faith? Have you considered learning more about faith in Jesus? And have you considered that there is more to Jesus' resurrection than you thought? Thank you.